Good evening and welcome to Sunday Night Stories. Tonight I'd like to share with you a documentary I produced about Eastville Workhouse. It explores the life and conditions of Eastville Workhouse, a burial ground discovered by a local history group, and the life of an actress. This piece was created for BCFM, Bristol Community Radio Station, for their project 12 Communities, 1 Bristol, which explores the heritage of different areas in Bristol. BCFM is a community radio station dedicated to representing the many undeserved members or groups within Bristol that don't get access to the airwaves. As a community radio station, they will need all the support they can get to help them get back on their feet. So to make a donation, you can follow the link that's in the description or on our social media pages. So I hope you've had a lovely weekend. Here's The Forgotten. They created a brutal institution which actually punished the people who couldn't survive in their own society. I think they thought they were doing the right thing. There's something wrong with you or that you're not trying or you're feckless. He lasted 15 minutes. He died when he was born and then he was buried under the wall. In 1847, a hundred Fishponds Road, Eastville Workhouse, opened its doors. Nearly 200 years later, it still strikes fear in the people who remember the foreboding building, which was knocked down in 1972. When I started researching the workhouse, the Bristol Radical History Group kept popping up. So I'm going to speak to Dr. Roger Ball, a founding member of the group. As everyone says, he's the man to talk to. So there was kind of a stick without a carrot. The decision was to make workhouses worse conditions than the worst conditions of the poor on the outside. So it was very disciplinarian, based around the idea of making what they called indoor relief less eligible, worse than anything on the outside. Women who are pregnant, You've got women with young children, women whose partners have died in an accident or be severely injured, families that are sick, people with mental health problems. You've got the unemployed, the elderly, the infirm, you know. So all the big groups in society that today would at least have some support from the welfare system were the people in the workhouse. It wasn't full of the able-bodied lazy. So that's the unintended consequence. So yeah, they created a brutal institution which actually punished the people who couldn't actually survive in their own society because they couldn't earn a wage. It didn't matter who you were or where you came from, if your circumstances changed, you could still end up in the workhouse. Me and my mum started looking through the British newspaper archives, and as I trained as an actor, one article really stood out to me. About an actress, Frances Morley, or her stage name, Blanche Payne. The article was titled, Death of Aged Actress in Bristol. You see me, Lord Bassanio, where I stand such as I am. Though for myself alone, I would not be ambitious in my wish to wish myself much better. Um, so what, what, can, what have we found? Right. She's aged 67. She's a married lady. She was born in Cheapside, London, and she was declared insane at the age of 65. Charles Dickens commended her in her acting, and in her mid-60s, her husband of three years puts her in the workhouse, and she's declared insane. What got her to that point? If she was mentally ill, why wasn't she in a hospital? 
These are questions I hope to answer later on. But first, Roger found something unusual about the workhouse in Eastville. We all got drunk one night sitting around here looking at old maps. And then uh, we sort of realised there was a burial ground around the corner. It says disused in 1905. So we was like, well, what's that then? And we realised that the burial ground was associated with the workhouse. There was no sign that it had been a burial ground. We were astounded, you know. We found the death registers for the workhouse. I remember going down the first time and looking and realising there were thousands of people. I couldn't, it was just huge amounts of information. So we spent several years collecting all the names of everybody who was in there. We wanted to name everybody who'd been in there who'd been forgotten. Was, where are they? And we thought, right, OK, what we're going to do is we're going to do two things. We're going to name them all, get all the data about them, put it online, and we're going to memorialise them because this is totally wrong. It's said that the paupers were buried like dogs. But when speaking with Roger, he told me this wasn't exactly true because this is a picture I'm showing you now which shows a pet cemetery at Ashton Court. So you can see a satin born on September the 1st, 1892, their dog, and Sylvie as well. So these dogs get gravestones, but the 4,000 paupers at Rosemary Green and many other thousands of paupers in the city didn't even get gravestones. So I would say they were, the charts were wrong, they were buried worse than dogs. So I spent the day at the Bristol Archives trying to find out more about Francis. So she went into the workhouse in 1905, not 1911, like we first thought. And she died in 1925 of liver problems. Now, the records say that she's buried at Greenbank Cemetery, not the burial ground. But I still can't find any record of her there. The area where the workhouse used to be is actually quite built up now. There's a medical centre, council houses, the park which we now know is the burial ground. I've arranged to have a chat with a couple of locals, Matthew Billington, the stonemason who built the memorial at Rosemary Green, and Joan Knight. She did an art project on the workhouse and lives next door to the burial ground. You must have hands that are immune to the cold. No, I have gloves. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually approached them. One of our neighbours had been to the meeting where it had been decided that they were going to put together a project to place a memorial. So I sent them an email, and then about a year later sent them another one. <laughs> At the top of the stone is a picture of the workhouse itself. At the bottom, there's some pictures chosen from pictures drawn by the local school kids. We asked them to just draw their response to what they'd heard about the workhouse. The children were really incensed by the treatment that the children got at that time. Described it as, that's abuse, that is. So is this the burial ground as well? Yeah. Oh, wow, so OK. Because I just thought it was it was unconsecrated. Yeah. So I thought, if you weren't a Christian, yeah. then you got buried here. But above from that, you got buried in Greenbank Cemetery. But Bill, who did the stone, yeah. said no, they were all buried on so this land. No matter what you were, you were just buried there. Yeah. And then when they knocked down the house, the big building, and they built these, they dug up all the bones, but they literally did it with a great big digger, and then they buried them in a pit somewhere else. Oh, my God. Which Bill, God. I think, is doing another stone for. Towards the bottom of the hole, several bones came out. There was a couple of people there who sort of felt more spooked by the bones than, than others and decided that they were 
once the hole had been prepped properly, the bones would be sort of put back in at the bottom near the sides before the, the stone was put in and fixed. When we were surveying it, a, a local resident came by and he said, I know a bit about this. He said, I wasn't involved when they demolished the workhouse. He said, I used to work for the company that demolished the workhouse. Bodies buried 15 feet deep, stacked on top of each other. The council church made a decision to move the bodies, smashed the whole thing up. The demolition people said they filled 167 boxes with big bones and then they put them in the back of a transit van and drove them up to Avonview Cemetery in Greenbank. They dumped them into three holes, covered them over and they were left unmarked. We went to the council and to the church and said, you know what, you're responsible for this, so you're going to have to pay the money. Have a gravestone made. So that'll be the final piece of the jigsaw because they have to be marked. While I had Roger's knowledge at hand, I asked him for some help finding more information about Francis, and we had a look at some of the workhouse records. So, what's her first name? Francis. Francis. Francis, Francis Anne Mary. Mary. Yeah. 25. Yeah. Got her. Brilliant. So it's that one. Yeah. What interested Roger is what drew me to Francis's story. What led her to this point? And why was she in there for so long? It seems that the workhouses became the cheaper alternative to housing the mentally ill rather than giving them the treatment and support they needed. So she's buried, that's confirmed, that she's buried in Greenbank Cemetery. Do you know how long she was in there then, from 1909? Is that right? Yeah, 1909 she went in. And she stayed there what? I don't know where I'd 16 find years. she came out. But maybe she stayed in there. Maybe she was mentally ill. Maybe they kept her in there. It's very interesting that she stayed there, though, because by that stage, they're kind of reforming it, so people come out and go yeah, to the asylum. Well, that's or... why I thought um, it had turned into a nursing home, because oh, I'll have to see if I can forward you the article, but she sounds so she sounds very comfortable. From the sounds of the article, it almost sounds like she is in a private room, hmm. sort of. At Eastville? That's it's, odd. That it's really might. strange. But maybe it's 25, though. I mean, if she's in there a long time, it suggests to me that it's a mental health problem. Yeah. And that no one's, no one's come to get her out. Or maybe she did have a mental health problem. It feels to me like if she's a benign patient that they've kept in the workhouse because it's cheaper again, maybe, you know, to keep her in there. So that's why it's an interesting one. If she was mentally ill, what was she still doing in there? Mm-hmm. What was she still doing there? An elderly lady, silver-haired, Her face, possessing small, refined features, her voice gentle and sweet-toned, wished Good afternoon, but declined the offer of a cigarette, remarking with a smile I have no small vices. Taking her mother's maiden name, the young actress became known as Blanche Payne. On one occasion, Charles Dickens, who had given one of his readings, waited to see Miss Payne, congratulated her heartily upon her performance. She is a wonderful old lady, and her memory is remarkable. She is never happier than recounting her experiences, for she proudly informs, I can certainly entertain when called upon to do so. And she is at Eastville Institution. Francis died in the workhouse in 1925, a few years after this interview. She was buried in an unmarked plot in Greenbank Cemetery, in a grave with her husband and his first wife. Even though she had a complicated and tragic life, which I have only briefly touched upon, she seemed content in those last few years. 
Roger also told me about George Theobald. He lived for 15 minutes and was buried under the wall. Children who died very, very young, you know, in childbirth or just after in a few days, they were unbaptized. According to the vagaries of religion at the time, they weren't um, allowed to be buried in consecrated ground. All these un unbaptized children were buried outside the limits of the graveyard. So we've got 115 babies, at least 115, that were probably buried outside the, the you know, somewhere in the waste ground around the, around the waste ground around the waste ground. So what now? What about those who were moved from the burial ground? The second memorial is currently in place at Avonview Cemetery, to be unveiled in the next few weeks. It reads, Here lie the remains of 4,084 people, inmates of Eastville Workhouse, formerly interred at Rosemary Green. They were reburied here in 1972. And then, at the bottom, in large, clear letters, Never Forgotten. Never Forgotten.